Hey everybody, you know when you hear that music it's time for On the Lighter Side of Baseball and it's a morning show today, segment one featuring Greg Murphy. We'll explain who the heck Greg Murphy is in a few minutes, but this is episode 16 of year two. Year two with no baseball, only entertainment during the COVID virus. We may be getting close to rounding second base with a uh, at least a therapeutic drug that seems to have worked the University of Chicago, so uh, we'll follow that clinical trial going on with uh, real people, and uh, hopefully that will have some good results. In the meantime, we're going to be talking to a number of Dave's friends as we approach the two-year anniversary of Dave's passing, and we're going to keep it light. We're not going to get too uh, caught up in uh, in anything other than uh, lighter side of baseball and uh, good memories of Dave. So having said that, uh, we're going to open with our first segment with a good friend of mine and a really good friend of Dave's uh, from uh, Rhode Island. So even though he might talk a little strange, he might sound a little funny, uh, he's a good guy and a good friend and uh at Dave, I believe, he'll tell us, but I believe it was in 1966 when Dave played for the Pawtucket Indians of the Eastern League. Uh, the Indians were there for two years, then left, and uh, from 67 through 69 or 70, McCoy Stadium or McCoy Field or whatever it is in Pawtucket was empty from professional baseball, but the Red Sox moved in in 70, and they've been there ever since, the Pawtucket Sox. Yes, sir, some history. Anyway, uh, we're going to get Greg on the phone here in a moment or two, and uh, when we do, we will visit with him about his memories of David Earl Nelson. So stay tuned. We appreciate you listening on iTunes, Spotify, or SoundCloud, or my Facebook page. So uh, hang in there, and uh, we will be with you uh, when... Greg Murphy calls in. Hey, everybody. We're back on the lighter side of baseball. And as I promised, and most of my promises are true, I've got a longtime friend of Dave Nelson on the phone and a good friend of mine, Mr. Greg Murphy. Murph, what's up, dude? Jamie, good to hear that voice. How are you, pal? Oh, I'm doing good, and it's good to hear yours. I warned all the fans that uh, this would be a voice like none other, and here you are. <laughs> I'll try to bury the Pawtucket accent as best I can. No, no, no. We love that Rhode Island brawl of yours. It's uh, you know somewhere between Houston and Vancouver. It's good. <laughs> how's, uh, how's your family dealing with the COVID-19 uh, situation and the quarantine? We're dealing. I guess that's the best way to put it. I uh, I no longer can use the excuse that I don't have time, no matter what the assignment is. So, yeah, I'm trying to. Uh, in fact, I've uh, come across a couple of uh, Dave Nelson action photos as I've been uh, converting some old Super Eight uh, home movies onto. Uh, well, it's a long it's a long process that my son tells me is going to end up in the cloud. How it gets there is beyond me, but. I'm working with my new machine, and so far, so good. That's good. We're back with with uh, Murph, and Murph, I apologize. We uh, never have any technical glitches on the lighter side of baseball, but uh, the only glitch that's Another the, first. yeah, the only glitch that would be significant is if the computer ran out of juice, and then nothing would get recorded, and you know we wouldn't have the benefit of. Uh, you know, hearing your stories, and that would be a tragedy, although I can come up with plan B, but 
Thanks for the time being. I think we're okay. So you're back to the cloud. You're always in the cloud. What? what <laughs> you and I don't know what the cloud is, but uh, no, you were working on old. Does, and I'm working on the whole whole movies, as I was saying. And I came across this one uh, the other day that was a uh, the first uh, the return of professional baseball in Pawtucket in 1966. As I recall, what happened? The Indians were on the East Coast. They had played. New York and were headed to Boston or vice versa. And they spent an off day playing the Pawtucket team. And the first game actually was actually before the regular season started. And uh, it was quite the show. And the Pawtucket team ended up beating Cleveland, which I could be wrong on this one, but I believe Cleveland was undefeated at the time. They had started the season 5-0, and 6-0 or something like that. They came to Pawtucket. The Indians, Pawtucket Indians beat them one to nothing on a... Uh, Base hit by our buddy in the eighth inning, I believe. Now he would probably he would tell us it was a line drive to right center. It looked like from the what I could tell off the home movies, it was more of a bloop, but it did go in. It was the only run of the game, and Nelly was the hero and the one to nothing win for Pawtucket that started the season and returned the baseball back then. Well, that's great. That uh, you know a lot of. Uh, you were you were around Arlington, Texas in 1973 when our buddy hit nine or ten home runs, and I yeah. swear they all you know back in the old Arlington ballpark there was that you had the fence, but on top of the fence was like a three foot piece of plywood, and I think every one of Nelly's home runs hit that. I mean, it just barely cleared the fence. <laughs> that was 73. Well, obviously that was his best year with the All Star team, but. That was his most productive year with home runs, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, no, you're right. And, uh, yeah. you know, had it not been for Lenny Randall, I think he probably would have uh, had uh, an equally good year in 1974. He was off to a great start, and then uh, along came Lenny. Right. And, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned his name in this uh, photography project that I've pretty much immersed myself in the last couple of weeks. I am fairly sure I came across a picture of Lenny. That's the. everybody we are back on the lighter side of baseball after after 70 episodes without any technical problems we had a bit of a computer shutdown yesterday and i'm blaming it on my guest greg murphy murph how are you doing today i'm doing fine buddy but i don't know enough about computers to break one so you're not going to hang that one on me well we've moved from the uh the, the traditional microphone to the Zoom, and we'll see after it took us a while to do that. We were, we were able to salvage that audio from yesterday, but I think uh, we'll pick up with, uh, you know, you were describing, God, Nelly was, uh, he must have been 16 when you first met him and saw him in action. And, uh, well, that, I was 15, so. <laughs> were you really? Yeah. Holy uh, cow. You're I was still, 15. You're a youngster. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> actually, it's funny. Uh, um, what we were talking about yesterday is the, uh, as I'm spending my time here in quarantine, is a photography project that I've undertaken. And uh, if it were not for my father's hobby with photography, I never would have met him. But one day, my dad, who loved photography, decided to uh, 
just go down to the ballpark a little bit early to see what was going on and take some sort of offbeat pictures. And it was during that visit down there that day is when I met him. So without the uh, photography now, I don't know if uh, we had gotten into this part yesterday about the uh, the exhibition game. Dude, yeah, you uh, were talking about a 1966 okay. exhibition game? Right. Exactly. What happened, And I, <laughs> because of our technical difficulties, I had a little time to do some research. Uh, Cleveland started the season uh, on the road, apparently, and they were going between New York and Boston. So they stopped in Pawtucket for an exhibition game uh, with uh, the Pawtucket team. To, and this was before, this was, I think it was the day before the actual Eastern League season started. Well, in my uh, project, I came across a old roll of home movie film from that game. And in that game, uh, Pawtucket actually beat Cleveland one to nothing on a base hit by Nelly in the eighth inning. Now, we've talked, I know he and I had talked about this game numerous times, and Nelly always described this line drive into right center field that won it, and that, you know, he did, he did get the winning hit. But as I looked at these old home movies, and I believe I was in charge of the movie camera that day, and they're not great as videos, but it does appear that the second baseman, center fielder and right fielder of the Indians are in rather shallow right center field trying to pick this ball up. So I don't think it was the shot that Nelly has described to me over the years, but it is true. They won the, uh, they beat Cleveland that day, one to nothing. And as it turned out, and I only found this out yesterday, the Indians started that season 10 and 0, which is uh, amazing. And with their, 10-0 winning streak, 10-0 record, I should say. They were one game ahead of the Orioles. The Orioles started 9-1 that year. And the, the Indians actually uh, ended up right around 500, I believe. But that was, uh, that was the return of uh, pro ball in Pawtucket. Nelly, a hero in the first game. And uh, I don't remember him being one of the big-name prospects when the team came to Pawtucket that year. Uh, you, with your Kansas City connection, might remember a guy who really came in with the uh, the rep of the star as uh, the future star, and that was a outfielder named Richie Scheinblum, who I believe played for the Royals for a couple of years. Oh, not and, only, uh, he not was only, supposed to be. The, not only that, he was famous for being one of the only major leaguers that could open a bottle of beer with his teeth. <laughs> that, that I didn't know. But, there you um, go. Well, was yeah, it, you know it was hard to tell from your description, mainly because of your accent. Which team nice. was Dave playing for? The minor league team or the major oh, league? Oh yeah, team? yeah, yeah. This was '66, so he he doesn't get to the big leagues for '68. Well, so he was in the minor league team. Yeah, yeah. he was oh. in the he was in the the double A team. The, the Indian. This was the double A team, not even the triple A team. This so was the Eastern League. They were the and. Uh, uh, they were in the uh, AA Eastern League, and they they were they the uh, Paw Indians uh, later to become the Paw Sox, or were they just the Pawtucket well, Indians? They're, they're just the, the Pawtucket Indians, and uh, far from popular. I would say if they got a thousand people at a game that year, that was a big crowd. 
Uh, it was, it was written. Uh, the reason the Pawtucket franchise has taken off the way it did was the connection with the Red Sox, the local connection with the Red Sox. Nobody, nobody knew anybody with the Indians. There was no real connection or affiliation or anything like that. So it never really, uh, they were there for two years, but it never really took off. Now but, uh, you're, but that's just, that was the start of it. And before you uh, dug out your movie, you were talking about your dad's hobby. Your father wrote a book that you were kind enough to give me the Gabby Hartnett story. Um, and right. it seems to me your father was certainly involved in sports writing. Is that correct? Well, not actually, Jamie. He, he was the managing editor of the, uh, of the paper uh, with, who just loved baseball. Uh, he really had uh, occasionally he would dabble in. I can, I probably can remember three or four sports themed stories that he wrote over all the years. But uh, he used to call the sports department the toy department, and uh, he was more in the uh, uh, in the news department as the managing editor. But with him as the managing editor, there has never been a baseball franchise that had a newspaper in their corner more than the Pawtucket team did during his days at the Pawtucket paper. There was no need to buy an ad. They had him in their corner. Well, on that particular day where I hit that bloop single to, to conceivably beat the, uh, the, the varsity team, did you get to meet him? Oh, no, no. I didn't meet Nelly until probably late June or early July of 66. That's the day that I mentioned where my dad and I went down to the ballpark. Well, tell so, me about uh, that again. Let's hear that again because I must have been asleep. <laughs> Technical difficulties again? Yeah. Uh, no, uh, with his uh, hobby of photography, he just wanted to go down to the ballpark early and get some uh, offbeat pictures. And uh, we went down there, and that's how, uh, as he was wandering around with his camera, that's how we met him and uh, just kind of took off from that day. In fact, I. Uh, I've, well, we're not on video, so I can do this. I'm going to reach around here to something in my man cave. And uh, this is uh, what, I'm read, what I'm about to read as I put my glasses on is uh, from uh, USA, USA Today a couple of days after Dave died. And uh, the guy from the Brewers, Rick Schlesinger, is quoted as saying, uh, Davey took every opportunity to turn a casual introduction into a lifelong relationship. And so, you know, if that's not you and I that he's describing right there, yeah, I don't know who it is. Well, you mentioned we're not on video. I videotape every 70 episodes until it was you, and then we decided to just do the audio. <laughs> we're doing the people a favor, believe me. That's a joke, Murph. Yeah, Nelly, <laughs> uh, you know, I met him on an airplane. You meet him at a ballpark. Um, I met you, I think you were spending the summer, is my impression, you were on That's the correct. floor in 1973, sleeping with, with uh, a roof over your head with Nelly, but I'm sure that maybe he gave you a sofa or an extra bedroom. How'd that go? Oh, it was an extra, oh, I, I was living large. It was a uh, extra bedroom in a nice little apartment over there in Arlington, and um, I, he did get me a job in a, uh, a mall in some department store in the mall. But, I mean, really, the way he was treating me with uh, plenty to eat, plenty to drink. Uh, we had a uh, – he had his own vehicle there at the time. And uh, he also got a courtesy vehicle from uh, some dealership. So, I mean, I had everything. It was really 
I worked for a while, but it was it was getting in cramping my style too much, so I gave that up. You you guys were living large. Nelly was a a folk hero in well, 1973, the MVP. Well, mo- numerous times when we would uh, talk to people about that particular year, um, I always made the point that that was the year I lived with him, and it was also the year that he made the All Star team. Right. Now, you know whether or not that's a coincidence or not, we'll let the people decide. But I don't think it was. No, I think you and I both take credit for making the All Star team. Oh, exactly, for, exactly. Somebody for, had to keep him in line for every one of uh, every one of his um, home runs. I think we take credit for, of which I believe there were yep. seven. I, in my mind, I I had him hitting ten, but I think he hit seven, and then he won that orange car, which he promptly turned into cash. I think were you. Were you still there at the end of the season? Not at the end of the year. No, the uh, the the orange uh, Dodge Charger, I believe it was, and all the all the players had them. I remember that the um, going after a game, going into the parking lot, and just trying to find the right one was always an adventure because it'd be like eight of them parked uh, all together. And um, but I, I do remember the uh, the orange Dodge Chargers. That was an interesting year. Between 66 and 73, how did you and your dad keep up your relationship with Dave, and how did that grow? Well, yeah, obviously, different world back then. It was pretty much uh, telephone, occasional. Uh, my dad would write letters a lot more than I did. And, uh, and then when he came to Boston, primarily, that's when we would uh, track him down. Uh, he didn't uh, – he, he, I, I was at the game in uh, – 1968 when he got his first major league hit um that was early in the year they came up to play the red sox obviously and then um as time went on it was pretty much uh those years when uh when when he would come to boston with either the indians and then it would be the uh senators in the early 70s uh and then they became the rangers obviously so it was primarily telephone occasional letter and then uh the visits when uh, he was in boston was there a slower guy coming out of the clubhouse that you'd wait for than anybody slower than nelly he was at, he was toward the uh, he generally he was generally toward the end of the line that's for sure but uh um but he had a the, the night was young when he he had a long time to go as you know after the game he wasn't going home to go to bed so uh, he had things to do weren't you with so, us uh, when when we got into a a bit of a tiff outside of the locker room at Fenway. Um, um, I know what you're talking about. And I do believe that I was on my way to go pick up the car when that happened. I kind of remember getting all that secondhand. That's right. I don't, I don't think, I, was, I don't think. Yeah. Well, no. <laughs> yeah. So I know you guys started, I was, I'm a peace loving guy. You know that. Well, and but, I, um, it was no, a, I, it was a rainy night. That's yeah, all I, I remember, and I wasn't very familiar with with uh, Fenway, nor the neighborhood. And uh, you know, by the time Nelly got out of the clubhouse, um, there wasn't anybody else around except this guard. And Dave wanted to go back well, in or take me back in. I well, can't remember what precipitated it. Well, the, the, the Fenway had a reputation back in those days as all those security guards were Boston College football players. 
And the story was the, the fans at Fenway were the only people they ever hit. They had some awful teams at Boston College in those days, but their, uh, but their security guards used to like to uh, throw their weight around a little bit, to say the least. And I'm sure that's probably, uh, truth be known, that that was probably a Boston College football player that you guys had the problem with. Yeah, I believe that. Well, you followed his career, I'm sure. Seeing his first major league hit, that's big time. Yeah, yeah. The, you, and, and, you know, um, this is one that uh, I may probably test your memory on this one. Uh, he was batting left-handed. Did you know that? You know, that's a, that is a great bit of uh, a scouting report on Nelly. No, I never – I mean – Oh, when he, when he went to um, spring training in 68, Alvin Dock had the brainstorm of turning him into a switch hitter. And Nelly's first, I'm not sure how many games in the big leagues, he was batting left-handed. And I remember um, talking, uh, being down near the field before the game, and he was demonstrating his left-handed swing. And the whole thing, obviously, was the fact that he hit the ball on the ground and he's a step and a half closer and all those theories that we've heard for years and years and years. But as he was demonstrating his newfound left-handed swing to uh, my dad and I, one of the veteran players, and uh, at that time, I want to say that I'd be guessing who it was, but one of the guys came by, and I do remember him distinctly saying, you don't learn how to hit that left-handed at the big league level. You know, you, that's what the minor leagues are for. But they had him up there batting left-handed for quite a while. That Maybe is half cool. The season. Never knew yeah. that. Wow. Oh, yeah. You know how many yeah, he, subsequent hits he got from the uh, port side? My guess is not many because uh, I know by 60 – I think it only lasted probably half a year. He, he did stay in the big leagues the whole season. So it wasn't like he, he did not get sent down in 68. So he lasted the whole year, but you'd have to do uh, we'd have to do some research on that one. But he was uh, he got the hit off. I'm almost positive on this one. Ray Culp was the pitcher for the Red Sox, but he he was hitting left-handed when he did it. I'll be darned. I hope you uh, got the ball and the autograph and a picture with him. And well, you know, I thought um, I don't even remember them like stopping the game or anything like that and throwing the ball into the dugout. I don't think they did as, as many of those things uh, you know, back back then as they do now. But I don't remember anything uh, anything special. I probably we were probably one of the few people in the ballpark that even knew it was his first hit. I mean, it was early in the year. It was within. I doubt if they had played a dozen games at that time. It's funny, isn't it, how the uh, how the price of everything and from tickets to concessions has gone up, and the uh, attendance kind of went up with it. When back in my youth, I mean, if if a club draw draws a million people, that's a miracle. I'm not sure if the Red Sox were much ahead well, of that curve. Well, um, the Red Sox had all turned in '67, uh, obviously, but uh, up until then. Uh, my dad and I used to go up a few times a year through the, I, I think I went to Fenway for the first time in 1958. Uh, but I never remember going to the game with tickets in hand. It was just, we'd just go up, 
get in line, buy your tickets, go in. And we always had great seats. It was no one went to the games back then. Well, and you know, I know during certain off seasons, Nelly would, uh, I know he was really close with your dad in addition to you. Uh, I would assume right. that, yeah. that uh, you guys got together during uh, off seasons, not, uh, not too uncommon. Oh, no. In uh, Atlantic, uh, I'm trying to just spring training a lot of times. My uh, that would be something that we would do, and we'd catch up down in uh, Pompano Beach, uh, was where um, he was with the Rangers. And I know uh, a couple of times my dad and a bunch of his friends used to take a little uh, week vacation, go down to spring training. And what they, um, a neighbor of mine uh, from Pawtucket was the uh, former umpire, Hank Saw. And so what they used to do, these probably about five or six of them that would go down on this trip every year, they would pretty much follow Hank around uh, Florida, wherever he was going to be working different games. That's where they, that's how their trip sort of coordinated with wherever Hank was. And I know a couple times they crossed paths. Uh, I've got a great picture at home of uh, my dad and Nellie sitting in the stands in uh, the old ballpark in Fort Myers um, when he was with the Royals. So, uh, yeah, they would, uh, they do, they do that all. He, I didn't back then, that's when I had to work for a living. So I didn't make that trip as many times as my father did. We did do Florida a couple of times, but he did it more after that. When, uh, when Nelly was toward the end with, uh, Kansas city. <clears throat> uh, and you continue to go to Florida. Well, you still go to Florida, correct? And, uh, I know that from time yes. to time you would hook up not only with, with Nelly, but, uh, I'd have the privilege of getting together with both of you guys occasionally down in Florida. Oh, sure. Yeah. That was the, you know, some of my, uh, back when, uh, I'm, I'm kind of at war with them right now. So I hate to give them a plug, but Southwest airlines, when they came to uh, Providence to, uh, they used to have great flights from Providence down to Tampa. They almost paid you to get on the plane. And so I had a few years there where I would, um take off like on a tuesday night and we go down and nelly and i would play golf on wednesday and thursday and then i'd grab the flight home on thursday night so that was a ritual for probably three or four years that's fact where i uh got to meet one of the uh nicer people you could ever meet in your life and that was when his mom was living with him and uh just just enjoyed with being with her so much just what a what a wonderful woman Adam May, uh, Mother Deer was a was a great lady. Mother Deer, Mother Deer, right? Yeah, and, she was uh, a sweetheart. Yeah, I mean, uh, with the passing of Dave's son a couple months ago, and oh. uh, two of uh, uh, one of his brothers now, uh, uh, Maurice and Rick are are it. The Monk and uh, and Rick. Right. The, yeah. um, the Monk is doing well. I talk to him occasionally in the monastery yeah. and. Uh, other than that, man, um, no, the other, uh, you know, Ellie stories, I know you got a lifetime of, Oh, uh, you know, you mentioned young David, God, God rest his soul. I got one that, uh, this was, um, when, when Cleveland, uh, when Nelly, this is now Nelly's coaching Cleveland now. So we're in the mid nineties, somewhere along, somewhere in that time frame, anyway. And, uh, seemed like the, ske the schedule was always very similar from year to year. And what they would do is they'd have a road trip where they did Boston, 
New York and Baltimore. So uh, the Indians, let me choose, I want to make sure I chose the right word here. The Indians were frugal. How's that for a good word? And they wouldn't let young David, (laughs) they wouldn't let young David fly on the plane, Um, which I suppose probably, you know, if he comes in, everybody would want to be bringing their kids on the plane. So Nellie used to fly David into Boston separately. And he would, and young David would come down. He'd actually stay with my family and my son. They were the same age. And we'd do the, the games in Boston. And then we'd drive down to New York. And Nellie would get a room. And the theory was that there would be a room for myself and my son. And he, he and David would have his room. But that usually ended up with Nellie and I in his room and the kids in another room. So you know how much sleep I got with him snoring, but that's yeah, not that's really what I'm getting. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what I have to, but the story is this. So we're in the, um, we're at Yankee Stadium, and this is the day after Mickey Mantle died. And so they are having, and they're having a, uh, they've got the monument, Monument Park, is that Monument Alley, Monument Park, whatever they call it? Well, what they're going to do is they're going to let the fans walk through Monument Park and pay their respects at Mickey's Monument and then go back in, out of the monument and into the ballpark. So we were, at this time, we were sitting in the dugout before the game, uh, and Nelly was talking to a security guy who had a, sort of had a two-way radio, and you could hear how they were lining the people up and what they were going to do and what everybody's job was. So the security guard said to Dave, <clears throat> do the kids want to go through? So I remember I'm sitting in the dugout. I didn't go. And I looked down and I'm, I can remember seeing Nelly and the security guard and his David and my David both walking down the left field line out to Monument Park. And I don't know, maybe 10 minutes later, they're back. So I go, now we drive home that night from New York and uh, I put the news on and on the local news, there's a story about how the Yankees paid tribute to Mickey Mantle that day. So they show this big scene of the crowd waiting to come across, uh, come into Monument Park to pay their respects to Mickey. And the first two leading this charge of thousands of people are, of course, the two Davids, who the security guard has brought out through the, through the bullpen, or however you get out there, to the front of the line. So there's the two of them looking, they're both looking like their dog died. I mean, they're probably saying, what position did this guy play? Who's, so, who's and Mickey as I look Mantle? at the, what's that? I said, they're probably saying, who's Mickey Mantle? <laughs> Pretty much it, but they're leading the charge with their, with their sad faces on. And in the video, and it says on the, Providence station that I'm watching this on, courtesy of CNN. So this thing was on national TV. It's the two of them uh, leading, leading the uh, mourners uh, across oh. Yankee Stadium. So you, as you know, if you went somewhere with Nelly, anything could happen. Anything was anything was a possibility. That, that, uh, so many. Anytime you were with Nelly, there's always a story around it that. Uh, oh. Whether it well, was you know 1973 or. 2013, it didn't matter. The the guy drew a crowd. Here's here's another, I'll give you a quick, another Yankee Stadium story. The first time that I take my son to Yankee Stadium, Nelly, of course, is coaching with Cleveland. And so uh, 
David, my son, we, we, we meet him as the bus drives up to uh, the players' entrance. Nellie grabs the two of us, and we walk down through the players' entrance and down the, down the stairs toward, into the clubhouse. So now my son has not, been, has not seen the field at Yankee Stadium, but he's in the clubhouse. Now he comes down the, the, uh, the tunnel from the clubhouse to the dugout. So his first view of Yankee Stadium is actually from the third base dugout. Now, there's probably not a lot of people that can say that. And then that day, I, um, we go and watch the game, and that's the day that uh, Jim Abbott pitches a no-hitter. So wow. uh, that was, uh, that's my son's uh, debut at Yankee Stadium. Well, on that game was called by another guest of uh, on the lighter side of baseball, Dwayne Stats. Dwayne had the uh, uh, privilege of, at that time, working for the Yankees, and he was the broadcaster on the uh, uh, no yep. of Jim Abbott. So there you go, twice. Yeah. Two references yep. in a couple shows on the lighter side of baseball. I can't <laughs> it. And I, I, do, I do have my uh, ticket stubs from that day in a um, safe deposit box, and I always wanted to take a chance of mailing them to uh, Abbott and with the hope of getting them autographed, but the risk was never seeing them again. So they're still sitting in a safe deposit box in the bank. You know, he'll probably do a card show someday when COVID-19 disappears. You just, uh, <laughs> you just never know. I, I did the same with, uh, with Kerry Wood. I saw, well, for the most part, I was at the game in, in uh, 1998 when he struck out 20 guys. I kept the ticket mm -hmm. stub. You know, they don't have yeah. ticket stubs anymore. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. It's a, yeah. You uh, scan a piece of paper or your phone. Or, yeah, exactly. You get probably a, make the ticket stub more valuable, right? Well, you get it on your phone, and the way yeah, exactly, yeah, the way you and I operate technology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. <laughs> We'd be out there till the fourth inning. Oh my God! Yeah, and what if you had? <laughs> what if you came with a friend and he had him on the phone? You went to the bathroom. You couldn't get back to your seat, especially in Yankee Stadium. Oh yeah, you guys are mean. <laughs> they, they play for keeps. They do. So, fast forward to St. Croix. I know that you made it out to St. Croix, Nellie's golf tournament. Yep. Uh, I've got a nice picture of it's made nice because my wife sent it along with you and me. And I can't remember what pro, maybe John Wharton. Uh, Who did we play with? Do you even remember? I remember. Yeah. You, you, you know, I've only got one St. Croix uh, tournament to, uh, to remember. And uh, we played with Nelly. Oh my that God. Was, that brought the team down. Yeah. Well, as I recall, um, you told me we, that with my efforts, we finished, uh, a little higher than you guys normally did, but uh, you know, I, yeah, I, I remember the yeah, but no, the year that I was there with you guys, we we Nelly was our pro. Well, that's cool. Because oh, Russell, he, I, 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 let's let's change that. Nelly was our celebrity. <laughs> you know, I, I forgot that in St. Croix he would play uh, with the groups in Kohler. He became kind of the mayor. And drove around in a golf right. cart. Right. Yes. Kind of, you know. Yeah. High. Exactly. Photo photo ops and uh, critique. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, he, he was no, the year one. the year in um, the year in Saint Croix. Uh, he was our uh, yeah. We played with him. I guess I should examine that photograph a little more closely next time. Yeah. So. Well, 
Yeah, I'll tell you what. Um, what a great guy and a lot of good memories. And oh, uh, any other memorabilia that you were able to, uh, you know, keep or talk about or save? Uh, I mean, I've seen about the box of cereals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got, let me see. I, I do have a bat. I do have a Dave Nelson bat. I'm, I'm kind of, I hope you can you still hear me because I'm kind of looking over my shoulder here. No, I hear you. Uh, there. Yeah. I'm not a, uh, uh, my uh, my son-in-law um, for Christmas last year, he got me a uh, Dave Nelson autographed baseball that he found that he got from somewhere. That uh, I, I believe that's the only one I have. Um, I tell you what, I've got about seven hundred of his cards. If you and I gotten pretty good at his autograph, I can send you a couple autographed cards. <laughs> um, I have, let me see what else. I've got a, uh, I've got a book here that I don't even know where I got this, but it's called the uh, Cleveland Indians. And it says the Cleveland press years, 1920 through 1982. And on the cover, Nelly's turning a double play. Yeah. He's up in, he looks like, he looks like he's just made the throw over the first base. And uh, I'm not sure what, when this, well, somewhere in late in the mid '80s, I guess the book came out. But he is on the cover shot. I've got that. But uh, I'm trying to think. I'm looking. Uh, I guess my I've got two uh, two Dave Nelson bats over here behind me that I can see. But I don't think either one of them is autographed. It doesn't look it anyway. So now my autograph stuff. Uh, I'm not. I've never been really uh, really big on that. Well, so, it's funny. Uh, I, uh... I was the uh, last one standing, so I got all the balls that weren't ruined that our good friend stored in his garage with no air conditioning in uh, Bradenton, Florida, oh. where the temperature would yeah. rise and his hot water heater overflowed. And so the number oh. of balls, the ones you could read were a little mildewy, but, um, you know, it's it's amazing yeah. some of the some of the people that he would get autographs, you know, that, uh, Oh, no, I think the collection he had down there in the back, in the bats in the, uh, the room when you were first walked in the house was fairly impressive too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, some, some of that stuff. Those are, but, uh, those are all resting in Overland Park, Kansas, but, uh, the, uh, yeah, the memories of Dave are good. And, uh, and, uh, it's hard to believe we're coming up on the, uh, second anniversary oh. of his passing and we're trying to talk to some of his good good friends like you and others to share some good memories of nelly got any oh, the, one you got one last memory to share with us that you've been dying to talk about because i know you you had three well, you had three days to get ready for this program <laughs> yeah well um yeah well I'll, I'll i'll go with this one and maybe another one will come to mind is um uh as I'm telling this story, but this I believe is in, uh, I want to say it's 2000. He has um, completed the, the coaching in Cleveland and the radio gig uh, is over. And so he is a minor league, roving minor league instructor for the Marlins. So he calls one day and tells me that he's going to be in Portland, Maine. Uh, this is where his his next stop is. So, I, at the time I was working up in that area, I had a territory up that way. So I juggle my schedule and I go up there and I figure, you know, 
we've talked and everything, but this is really going to be the first time I've seen him since the the coach, the uh, the radio gig blew up, the coaching gig blew up, and now he's, you know, now he's back in the Eastern League where I met him. What's that? Thirty four years prior to that, he's still back in the Eastern League, and I'm just saying this poor guy has this. This is going to be a tough one. So he tells me. So I go over to the ballpark, and I figured we'll. We'll, we'll, you know, Nelly's always at the ballpark two o'clock in the afternoon for a night game. So I go over relatively early, and as I drive up there, there every school bus in the state of Maine is at this ballpark. And turns out it was an afternoon game, which Dave didn't know, and it was kids' day. The ballpark is, I don't know, maybe I'm guessing seven thousand, eight thousand seats. I'm like one of about four adults in this ballpark. It's just nothing but a bunch of screaming kids running around. And it was undoubtedly the worst baseball game I've ever seen. <clears throat> I remember at one point I started counting and I believe there were 17 batters in a row where the first pitch was ball one. It was just terrible. Absolutely terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, finally the game ends. And remember the, the first time I actually got to talk to Dave that day, this, you talk about the minor leagues. Now, here's a guy, what's this, probably two or three years prior to this, he's in the World Series. You walked out of the field into a parking lot and then across the parking lot to the high school, and that's where the locker room was. I mean, this was, you talk about the minor league. This was the minor <laughs> leagues. Well, so anyway, we, so we, he comes out. And he's following me. He says, we've got a place to go. So we drive into this downtown area of Portland near the water. And it would remind you of your, you'd remember, similar to your days in Newport. I mean, just an area similar to that. Right? A beautiful, beautiful area they've got down there. And the thing that I take away from that day more than anything was the absolute love of baseball that this guy had. And no matter what happened, he dealt with it. Because you you would have thought that he was still in the big same old Nelly, nothing changed, and he just was talking about that this game that I just couldn't wait to end, telling me, "Did you see this kid did this?" And I had worked with him earlier in the day on that, and there's so many things about that day that just showed what what a fighter he was, how nothing was going to keep him down. And I mean, I mean, you you know better than anybody because you were there toward the end. I mean, he was a fighter and. It was just incredible that that uh, that whole day, and we we set some records that night in uh, in Maine. We went to, we were finding five five dollar lobsters at outdoor restaurants, and I remember the next day reaching into my pocket and finding the receipts from the places we had been that night. And I don't know how somebody somebody stuck all those receipts in my pocket because there's no way in the world we'd been to all those places. But it was a uh, it was an all timer. The day in Maine was something that. Uh, We'll never forget, but more for the, the attitude, the spirit, and just, you know, nothing was going to keep him down, and he made the best of everything that he, uh, whatever life dealt him, he could he could handle it and uh, make the best of it, that's for sure. Well, and again, you, when it comes to eating and drinking, I'm kind of a sprinter, but Nelly is a, definitely a marathoner. The boy could eat <laughs> and drink oh. all for oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we set some records that night, I'll tell you. I, I'll tell you, it was, uh, 
but the uh, the five dollar lobsters, and then of course we had to go compare five dollar lobsters at the place across the street just to make sure that uh, they were as good. But uh, yeah, that was uh, there might have been a gin and tonic in there too that night, as I recall. So uh, well, but it, yeah, it what, was. Uh, but that was him from uh, from Pawtucket in nineteen sixty six until uh, you know really his last uh, gig with the Brewers broadcasting the pregame and postgame show um, shortly before he passed away. He had a, uh, you know, he had a, as uh, some people have said, a Hall of Fame Rolodex and a Hall of Fame <laughs> Hall of People and a Hall of Fame guy that he was. So I certainly appreciate oh. you sharing some of your memories with uh, the lighter side of baseball because uh, most of those stories are, uh, are, are awesome. And, uh, you know, you're the you're the first guest from uh, Rhode Island, so I mean, this is special. <laughs> I guess it is, yeah. So, well, hey, I really appreciate the opportunity to say some words about a dear friend of both of ours, as you know. And uh, again, thank you so much for asking. Well, thank you for uh, enduring the computer failure and uh, oh. our zooming capabilities and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sign off around the lighter side of sports. You've been listening to Greg Murphy, a long, long, long time friend of David Earl Nelson, and we are celebrating Nelly's life. And this is a great addition to that celebration. So Murph, thanks, man. <laughs>